0: to 2017 welcome one and all to chance by chance this is a podcast aiding young artists entrepreneurs and creators of all types as they navigate the professional field i initiate conversations with established individuals across a wide variety of disciplines to distill the stories insights and advice that you can apply to your own lives and work If my voice sounds a little funny, it's because I'm just hanging around. Quite literally, I am hanging upside down. Ooh boy, can I feel the blood in my head. Today's episode, much like the last episode with Jake Lupin of Hippocampus, features someone who is, themselves, an up-and-coming young artist. It is a strapping buck, Mitchell Seymour of the Happy Children. He plays bass and sings in a band that has been making big and even grandiose waves around the Twin Cities community, and they've only been doing this for about a year at this point, which is why I asked Mitchell to come on the show. They've really garnered some support, as can be seen by their sold-out show at Bedlam Lower Town a few months ago, or their upcoming sold-out show at First Avenue with Hippocampus. Mitchell came on to share some reflections on the first year as a band, including the recording and release of their popular EP, Small Talk, the way that they've booked and negotiated rates for shows, and some things Mitchell wishes he would have known before this all began to unfold. Toward the end of the episode, Mitchell talks about change he would like to see in the world, and together we speculate on ways to bring that about. Big thanks to Josh Johnson for providing the opening track to this podcast. Find him on SoundCloud at Saxophone Capone. Find Happy Children all over the interwebs, of course. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with Mitchell Seymour of the Happy Children.
1: Mitchell, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, we're sitting here on Lake Calhoun. It's pretty frozen, but not, not so frozen that we'd risk walking no, across on a day I, like today. I can
2: see where we would go if we did walk <laughs> across it, but it doesn't look like we would end up there. It looks like we'd end up at the bottom of the lake. So... <laughs> oh, man. It's beautiful to see, though. It yeah. is beautiful to look at. Yeah. A- and we
1: might not want to push, push our limits with your, your recent brush with death.
2: With death, driving yes. Driving
1: home from Wisconsin. Such
2: a scary encounter. Such a scary car crash. How'd that put things in perspective for you? Oh, I mean, it changed changed everything man like I it was such a scary uh scary thing seeing my my good buddy Judah in the car seat next to me just you know season up that was a real real eye opener and just the fact that we made it out of it basically unscathed couple couple cuts on the back of our head I mean you know and Judah's got some stuff he's dealing with right now but you know we're good and we're, we're able to play music so yeah and that's what it's all about right as we're we're walking
1: over here you're saying
2: the music is what you want to do and
1: it's what you're doing now yeah can you tell me about leaving school in olympia to come back here and how everything has unfolded getting the happy children going
2: yeah totally well caleb and i started making music out in olympia washington we were at evergreen and uh we weren't in any classes together but we knew each other obviously from high school we're good friends so just happened to start making music together out there it just really clicked and we loved the sound we were making and it kind of although we were definitely considering leaving and Caleb was influenced by other things too because he and his girlfriend both wanted to kind of get out of Olympia but we we knew that the music had a a big part to play and we wanted to be here where we had some connections and some possibility of success that just pushed us to make the decision we you know college out there you know it was all right you know and the town of Olympia sucks we just knew we couldn't thrive out there so hmm. you know good long car drive in a moving truck spent a month living with my parents and then we moved into our the house that we're living in now cool pad yeah really cool spot right by Lake Calhoun and just started, kept on writing music and also we knew that our our good buddy Judah was living out here and he's like the craziest drummer ever so we just like we had to get on that you know like while we were in Washington we were like Judah's just like the one you know what I mean like so we hit him up pretty quickly after you know nailing some songs down and just first practices in the the P space I don't know if you're familiar with that spot yeah yeah so that's where we had our first couple of practices the three of us and from there it's just Onward and upward.
1: And once you had the first few songs down, when did you know you were ready to bring it to your audience and, and get it out there? Also, how did you first start to do that?
2: Um, I think the moment that we were like, these could be shown to people, for me, I think, was when, when Judah recognized the songs. You know, it was like the second practice that we had. And he was like, whoa, these songs are good like he liked the songs and as the drummer all i needed from him was to be really good at drums and it was just like that extra icing that he loved the songs Ooh. and that's when i was like i really want to play live i don't remember like how we started playing live but we just had we knew people here and uh mm-hmm. played our first show with a great local band burn fetish at uh, a bingo club <laughs> uh, you know so so that was our first show and Although and we sucked, but it was fun. And everybody sucks at first. Yeah, right. But
1: at this point, man, your live show is second to none, and I think that's Thank one of you. the things people recognize most is the energy of it. It sets me in a frenzy every time I'm there.
2: <laughs> well, it sets me in a frenzy as well. And it's a <laughs> uh, yeah, my strongest addiction. I quit smoking cigarettes this year as well. So yeah, I'm so this, yeah, it's been yeah. A, a really good year for me. I yeah. uh, just swapped that with an intense desire to play music live and. Yeah, it's... The energy is... It comes from, I guess, Caleb, Jude, and I. We have a, a long past, you know? We've been friends for a long time, and making music together that is music that you love. It's indescribable, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about Small talk. talk.
1: Talk a bit about some Small Talk. Your sure. recent yeah. EP. Right.
2: Yeah. What, what was it like recording that? Awesome. I mean... Uh, stressful and kind of exhausting because you've been to our practice space, you know, and it's a little bit unsightly or whatever, you know, so spending nine hours at a time in there can be rough and especially for Caleb and Whistler, Alan, who was the one who helped produce that uh, and record it, you know, they spent the most time in there and as much fun as it probably was, it was also just exhausting and Hmm. it just shows like well, how important it is to have that uh recording space very nice because mm-hmm. like sitting on a stool or on the floor of like this dirty room for hours and hours it makes you not want to track any more songs <laughs> like i don't want to play you, just gotta my, push on yeah, through. you really gotta push through but we just recorded a single actually at this studio uh, the pearl which is over in northeast and that is a real studio with mm-hmm. like real nice furniture and um uh, an amazing sound engineer, and not that Whistler's not great at what he does, it, uh, it was just like the space in general, it, it was just like so nice to record in there, so it was exhausting recording small talk, but feels great to have it out there and have something for people to listen to.
1: Yeah, and I've been listening to it, man. Oh, uh, man. I'm digging it, I'm digging it so far. Cool, yeah. How do you approach what you're doing in terms of priorities, I mean, there are there are only so many things you can do with the hours in a day. What is high on the list for Happy Children as a band? What do you focus on?
2: It, it varies, because once we have like a, a set down, we kind of start to get sick of the songs. So then it's sort of on Caleb and I to get into the nitty-gritty and write again. So it's been nice living, actually, living together, because we can kind of just wake up and... Kills twiddling on his acoustic guitar, and I'll just, you know, join in or, or vice versa, and and so we don't really have to schedule time to write. So that's going to change though when when he moves out, but we'll we'll see. So it's it's more about just finding, I guess, feeling when okay, we really need to write another song. Like I'm, we're kind of getting sick of just playing the same songs over mm-hmm. and over, you know, practicing. And and Judah loves to be learning new songs too, so. And then in terms of practice, we just try to shoot for two practices a day, or a week. A Um, day. That's ambitious. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, (laughs) yeah, so typically on the weekends, you know, because I don't work the weekends. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And what advice would you give to young bands in the community looking
2: to gain some footing, just given your past year of experience? Well, we had a really quick, you know, I don't want to say break, I mean, because we're still working our asses off. For sure, for sure. But it's, um, it's been a quick take you know people have caught on pretty quickly and i think it's just because we played live all the time like Mm. and just be ready to to give your all in that live show man because that's like how you that's how you make money in the business nowadays you can't make money off of a recording as important as recordings are you i mean you have to have your live show down and Mm. and just put it all into that and and people will will see that you care about what you're doing in front of them, and they like that, you know, people want to, it just automatically makes them feel like it's worth their time, you Mm -hmm. know, because just like you don't want to have a bad show, nobody wants to go see a boring show or go see a show where the band doesn't like absolutely kick ass, like why would they just want to see you play your instrument, like they've got important things to do, like each individual person in the audience their time is just as valuable as yours, so it's really about having a kick-ass live show, and and we're not the only band who's had quick success either, you know our friends in uh, Early Eyes another really great local band yeah. who just started this year they also have had like a small following like really pick up speed and, and it's just because they care about their live show, or they care about dedicating themselves to the community of people who have decided to support them, without your dedication to them there will be no you know reciprocation on you know your fans parts or Absolutely. you know what i mean so
1: to talk about business which you mentioned i've noticed that oftentimes young creators of of all different types really can be reluctant to ask for pay and and there's obviously periods of no pay when you're starting out and, right. and working for exposure right but there comes a time when you need to incentivize your work through business can you talk about how exactly you go about negotiating rates for playing and and, and what you look at there?
2: Yeah, I mean yeah, you're going to have to go through that phase where you're you're kind of working to expose yourself to an audience Um, I don't know, a lot of people don't want to pay even just like five bucks just for the sake of seeing a local show (laughs) Sounds tough. Yeah, totally (laughs) but you also have to at some point Just kind of commit to an asking price, you know. And and what
1: does that look like opening that door?
2: It's a number that you might feel is too high. Typically, if it's a if the venue or or whoever wants you to play the show, they'll probably just tell you if they can't pay you that much. And from there, you know, don't cancel the show because they can't pay you that much. Just keep it's kind of like a bid, you know, like just lower it, lower it or whatever, you know. But if you're asking for a certain price you're not hurting your reputation by asking for a high price. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. You're showing that you, your time is valuable and that your your work is valuable. And that I, I mean, just any artist, you know, whether you're an actor or a director or you know, visual artist, uh, you got it. You can't be afraid to to ask to get paid for your work. Um, and yeah, young people especially, I think. That's just part of, like, the learning process as an artist is just learning how to ask for money. Yeah. <laughs> kind of begging for money, basically. Yeah. <laughs>
1: sometimes, yeah, yeah, sometimes. yeah. Hey, but that being said, you had a pretty big fundraiser show at Bedlam a couple of months ago. Can you talk about the importance of, of social change that I know you're passionate about and and just why you feel you can approach that as a band?
2: Early on, kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the exposure thing. You should look for fundraiser shows because... People will go to those, people are going to pay money to go to those, and while you might not get cut a check, a lot of people may be at the show, and then they may like what they see, and they might come to another show, you know? So on your end, that's why, you know, there's some incentive there. And then obviously, people are inspired and influenced by artists, so whatever real social change you care about, you should definitely try to intertwine that with your work, because you can make real change yeah you really can what change is meaningful to you these days what do you want to see in the world i guess as much as we've been talking about money (laughs) i'd like to see people kind of care less about that i know caleb would agree with me on that and kind of think that i'm a little bit of a hypocrite because i talk so much about money but i think we should stray away from that and maybe get some perspective that literally every single person on this planet is the same as you while they've been born with different privileges different disadvantages we're all made of the same stuff and it's just so upsetting to see people completely kill themselves over you know what they're trying to do do for themselves basically you know Mm -hmm. like people just Mm -hmm. put in their nose to the grindstone just for what you know and and they ignore others in the process and I think it's the root of our current political climate our current uh, economic climate and and all around the world, it's it's the reason why every nation is seeking power, you know? Mm. From the smallest nation to the biggest nation, every nation-state on this planet is trying to be as powerful as possible. And if if our nations were different, if it was, like, less about power and more about being open, mm. I don't even know. Mm. Like, how, how do you have a nation that's not like that? It's hard to say.
1: Yeah. To touch on that, to touch on openness, yeah. replacing... Consumerism and serving yourself day in, day out, what could we replace that with in terms of community and, and understanding?
2: Uh, it's such an inhospitable system that we've got set up. It's hard to imagine such a big change. It's like every person would have to, to make the change. Every person would have to, to give it all up, basically. But then if everybody gives it all up, then everybody has something. It's like kind of communist. I don't know. (laughs) You know, it's not fair to like trying to devise a an an economic system right now. (laughs) It's hard to do. It is
1: hard to do. Hey, but uh, you know, a little bit at a time, one one person at a time, like you said. Yeah. Who in the community, whether in music or in organizations, anything? Who do you think is doing good work these days? What have you been impressed
2: by? I saw the young artists who did uh, in the Garden of Clay. Mm. And I was impressed by that. I really was kind of blown away by their work, and they're really young, and and they're killing it, you know. And <laughs> and while they're they they're gonna kind of realize, I think, when when they get their own apartments and stuff, and when they have to hold down these. I mean, I'm sure they they have jobs and stuff, but like it gets. Harder in your twenties, it Mm. definitely does. But, Mm. but they're doing more than I was doing back when I was a kid. Oh, definitely. Back when I was eighteen or whatever. Mm, Definitely. I sound like such an ass. You know, like I'm only twenty, what, twenty two now. But a lot happens between eighteen and twenty two that changes things. But it's yeah. But if I had been where they're at right now, really dedicated to their craft, really dedicated to theater and music, like that. I think I would be even, you know, in a way better position than I am now. What advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Don't do unified auditions, man. Don't even go to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even do that shit, man. Like you're just gonna you're gonna take a year off. And I wish I hadn't gone to Evergreen. I guess I I'm glad I went to Olympia for a period of time because you know the stuff that happened with me and Caleb, and mm. and I did meet a lot of really cool people out there. So. But, but Evergreen was expensive, you know. Hmm. I blew a lot of cash out there on, on... I didn't learn shit, you know what I mean? Like, I really didn't learn shit. And I wish I hadn't gone to, to school because I know all I want to do is just be an artist. So why the hell would I go to school, you know what hmm. I mean? Like Why would I spend any money? <laughs> you know, I, it's different than spending maybe like a couple hundred bucks on a class sure or something like that versus paying for tuition it's insane it's insane and the debt that these kids take on man and and these people that just want to do art I know they just want to do art but they're taking on so much debt so even one year of college I would say I would not do that I would tell my 18 year old self don't even bother any books or
1: movies perhaps that have shaped your outlook on life Anything that you've gifted to other people, something you've just felt the need to share that you've, that you've seen or read?
2: Yeah, totally. Uh, the book called Rant by um, Chuck Polinick. Uh, he wrote Fight Club and stuff. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really good. Yeah. Um, and that book was crazy because this kid who grows up and moves to this city, and it's sort of this dystopic city where people drive around in cars and they like crash into each other as part of like this <laughs> nightlife thing and, and it's dystopic in the sense that there are the desirable people of the society who are allowed to be out and about in the daytime mm-hmm. and then there's the non-desirables um, like criminals and people who are just the lower class who are only allowed to be out at night and that's like the the segregation system of that society and and rant he's like rabid basically he he was spent his whole childhood just being obsessed with letting animals bite him Mm -hmm. and kind of developed this, uh, like, tolerance to the poisons of, you know, nature and kind of obsessed with biting people and being rabid. And um, so it's about this, that guy. And it's Mm -hmm. just a really, really interesting book. And I I did share it with my good friend, Aaron. Cool. I hope she read it. Yeah. And to wrap up, if
1: people want to connect with you, learn more about what you're doing, where, where can we send them?
2: Check out uh, The Happy Children, man. Just look up thehappychildren.bandcamp.com or you can find us on Apple Music. That's, that's the most important thing to me right now is just listening to our music. Yeah. You know, I'm really proud of it. Come see the show. Yeah, yeah, come see the show. Well,
1: cool, Mitchell. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Chance, It was man. a blast, man.
2: Yeah, it had been.
1: That's a wrap. Episode 10. Oh my goodness, these are just coming along. I say that every time. Alright, I am no longer hanging upside down. Big thanks to Mitchell Seymour for coming on the show. Find The Happy Children online. They're all over the place. Just search The Happy Children or The Happy Children of Normal Parents. Buy a copy of their EP Small Talk on bandcamp.com. And if they're going to be anywhere near you, go see a show. As we said earlier in the episode, it will set you in a frenzy. And to clarify, that is a very positive, love-fueled sort of frenzy. Okay. Find <laughs> Chance by Chance on iTunes. Leave me a rating or review as it helps new listeners find the show. Go to chancebychance.com to be linked to my various social media platforms, which include Patreon. If you want to support the podcast directly, go to patreon.com forward slash chancebychance to leave a donation. It is your financial support that helps me dedicate more of my time and attention to the scope of this endeavor of my total proceeds are given to the Iodine Global Network on a monthly basis. Once again, shout out to Josh Johnson for providing the opening track to this podcast. Find him at Saxophone Capone on SoundCloud. I think that's a really witty name. And on your way out today, here is a track from the Happy Children. It's called Hail Mexico. Until next time, everyone, thank you for listening.
0: They were God to spread the message Of heaven and earth In a while, I brush my teeth, it Makes it hard To forget what I eat Oceans, Waves And the image of girls Living in a terrible Sunstroke world Yes I'm a what does everyone mean? Yes I'm up, how can this please? Want me to forget the actions of God? Want me to forget the embrace of mom? Okay sweat dripping in my eyes Okay that burns up my sky Okay that my climb is high Okay if my skin's on fire Please don't let me cry right now Please
2: don't let me cry right now Please don't let me die right now Die right